We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Social awareness. That's to take a piss. Don't take a shit in the porta potties. All right. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Budding Heads Podcast on Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Rivera. As always, here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny. We're about a, almost a month without football now. How you hanging in there, man? It's too soon, man. Too soon. <laughs> I, I need I need more football in my life because, well, basketball's great, baseball's coming up, but it's just not football. I I'm in a, I'm in a couple of like dynasty fantasy football leagues, and like I've been discussing making trades for guys like David Johnson, and then I'm like, this dude might not be on the team in a week. Like, I need to relax. I got, like, seven months before football starts. Like, I just got to take it easy for a little bit. But uh, but we're here. We're podcasting. We're talking about the Rams. And uh, we have a very special guest that we're excited about joining us today. The host of the Lockdown Rams podcast, pro football focus writer, and I think very easily a first ballot Rams Twitter Hall of Famer, Sosa Kremenges. I got it right, didn't I? Oh, you banged it. You got it right. Yeah. Um Appreciate the intro, and uh, I'm I'm glad to be on, guys. I'm ready to chop it up. Yeah, we're stoked. It's uh, the off season's just getting started. I know this is your uh, this is your first off season as a Rams podcaster. I just want to let you know we are experts at fishing for topics. So whenever we get into like June, if you, if you ever need help, we, we are uh, we thrive in June, coming up with just nonsensical podcasts. I like it. That's um. <laughs> Something I'm going to have to keep in the back of my mind because, you know, we've got stuff to talk about right now with free agency coming up and all that in the draft. But after that, I mean, it's pretty, pretty dry for that little, you know, two month gap until practices and training camp and all that starts back up. So, yeah, well, I'm sure you'll find something. I'm sure we will as well. But obviously, like you said, free agency is coming up. Uh, it is a weird year, as we've discussed a little bit in the pods in the past, but we brought Sosa in here today to go over a little more in depth. The, the salary cap in the NFL pretty much always goes up, but this year, due to obvious pandemic reasons, the salary cap went down, which is a when, you know, before this year, when you're signing players to contracts, it is not something that most teams accounted for. And as a result, most a lot of teams don't have cap space, and the Rams are one of them. Not that they would have been scot free if it was a normal year where the cap goes up, but right now they are sitting at. 
34 million dollars over the cap um if you account for just the top 51 players on the roster this is from a uh, spot track where i pulled the data it's they're 26 million dollars over the cap obviously you cannot make moves if you're over the cap so they wouldn't be able to bring anyone in but i i'm curious so that it seems like the obvious solution and sometimes this is easier said than done but usually it's fairly easy to get done with players you plan on keeping in the building that the the most logical and i think likely path to getting cap space is to restructure the contracts of their bigger guys most notably and obvious candidates would be aaron donald jalen ramsey and then a restructuring of matthew stafford to kind of um, alleviate some of the hit from this year and push his contract towards the future but obviously that would um you'd have to commit to him a little bit there but i mean from where your city like do you think that is probably the path they take to get to cap space or do you think they they look to cut or move some notable guys like rob havenstein or michael brockers who are taking up a little chunk of change but um might be a numbers a numbers play yeah you know the rams haven't been a team that's been keen to restructure contracts in the past few years at least you know uh, when you're restructuring a contract, essentially all you're doing is taking some of that money from this year and turning it into a signing bonus or a bonus in general and spreading out the hits over the remainder of the life of the contract. So all it really is is you're just guaranteeing that guy more money over the remainder of his contract. And so you don't want to restructure guys that aren't you know, intended to be in the building because otherwise you're just going to be eating more dead money in the future years. But you know, you mentioned it. It is a COVID year. It's really weird. The cap went down for the first time, probably in my lifetime, to be quite honest with you. I don't ever recall it going down before. And I think teams are going to be desperate. And the Rams are going to be one of those teams. They got a lot of holes coming up here, a lot of free agents that I'm sure they would love to resign. And if they can't resign, they're going to have to go to the market and try to at least replace those guys. But they don't have any money. And, you know, they're kind of got their backs against the wall right here. And I don't really see any players on the roster that I think I can point to that are just clear cut, cut candidates, you know, there's nobody there that's going to save a ton of money, or anybody that's just not being very productive against, you know, when you compare them to their cap hit. And so I think they're going to have to restructure it. You know, you look at guys like Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, you mentioned them, Matthew Stafford, and even maybe Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. These are all guys I think that could be restructured, it would save a lot of money, depending on how many guys they restructure how much money they want available. Um, but it's definitely something that I think we got to keep our eyes on and not just for the Rams, but really for every team in the league is, you know, nobody expected the cap to drop 15 to 20 million. And then on top of what it should have increased another 10 million. So, you know, that's about 20 to $25 million of less space than everyone anticipated. And so, you know, I think teams are going to be more willing and desperate to essentially just do whatever they got to do to get under that cap this off season. And, you know, I think more teams are just going to have to restructure and the Rams are just one of those teams because they don't really have many guys that they can get rid of, especially when you consider the fact that they're going to be paying Jared Goff and Todd Gurley a combined $31 million this year. That's, you know, off the top of my head, what, 15, 20% of the cap for guys that aren't even on your roster. So, you know, I think they're kind of stuck in the hole here and they're going to ultimately just have to restructure guys. I mean, when when you talk about restructuring too, I, I remember when we were talking about restructuring Goff, I think last offseason and Lesney was kind of like, if you restructure him now, you got to pay that money later. And ultimately they ended up eating that, that money they restructured, although it certainly helped last year because the team was a lot better. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. And, you know, they did restructure Goff and I think they might've restructured Johnny Hecker as well, but, um, and, and there's a dangerous game there with this restructure game. You look at the two teams that are in the worst salary cap space spots right now, the New Orleans Saints and the Philadelphia Eagles. And both of those teams are teams that utilize restructures more than anybody else. They've done it a ton over the last four or five seasons. And now, you know, the bill has come due and both teams are likely going to lose a lot of good players because they just don't have salary cap space. Obviously the COVID thing is not helping them, but you know, these teams are 40, 50, $70 million in the hole and have a lot of good players that need to be either paid or re-signed or, you know, what have you. And so, it's a dangerous game, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I just don't think they have many options when it comes to at least this offseason. And so I think that's probably going to force their hand a little bit. 
Yeah, and it's going to be, like you mentioned, it's going to be wild, too, because we are not nearly the only team that is going to be dealing with this. There's going to be a, a handful of teams, and like you mentioned, to the there's extremes with the Saints and the Eagles who are, like, to be blunt, just fucked with the cap space. Like, we, ours, and a lot of other teams in similar spots to it, it's manageable, and, like, if you restructure and you do have to cut guys— you cut a guy like Michael Brockers or a guy like Rob Havenstein, those are big losses that would be felt. But I think you could reason like you could reasonably retool around them, like if that's the pill you have to swallow. Where like with the Saints, they're gonna they're gonna be cutting some very good players who are just they literally just can't pay. And they have cuttable contracts and they're just gonna be forced to do it. Yeah, off the top of my head, I know you know, the Saints are probably going to lose Marcus Williams, one of the best safeties in the league right now. Uh, Trey Hendrickson, one of the defensive ends that have really stepped up his play recently. I think he had like 13 sacks this past season. Uh, Sheldon Rankins, like they got a lot of really, really talented free agents coming up here. And I have no idea how they're going to try to bring any of them back. And, and not only that, but, you know, they got a chance to lose all these guys. And then there's still $70 million in the hole. So, that roster is going to be way different next season. So, um, you know, that's kind of just the way this stuff works. And unfortunately for the Saints, you know, this is uh, a bad year for it to kind of come crumbling down with the whole COVID thing. But, you know, that's just um, it was unpredictable, I guess, for for everyone, really. Well, as longtime listeners of this podcast know, we um, are not losing sleep over the Saints woes right now. Um, Steve. <laughs> it's what you get when you pay a up back 16 million dollars this year uh but um so i I think the big thing today is i believe it was today right franchise tags are now um teams can start franchising today or tomorrow i think right yeah i let's say the rams are able to clear up like 10 15 million in cap space right now I'm i'm not sure what the actual number they'll be able to get to is but do you, do you we haven't really done a ton of franchise tagging at, with the Rams since Les Needs been in the building. Do you think there's a chance that they tag anyone? I think really the only guy who seems like he has any chance of getting tagged is John Johnson and at that point it feels like it would make more sense to just sign him if you were going to go that route because this is the year that you're going to be struggling to pay him not in the future. But um do you think it'd be a possibility because the, the franchise hack for safety is, I think it's around 10 and a half, 11 million, which isn't too bad and a good price for John Johnson, who's obviously a valuable player, but we have no money at the same time. That's the issue. Right. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a possibility. I don't think it's very likely. And I 100% agree with you over the fact that, um, if anybody is a franchise tag candidate, it's John Johnson. I don't think that Leonard Floyd is going to be a candidate. Um, nobody else is obviously a name that they should consider. When you consider you know, how good John Johnson is, and he's an elite safety in my opinion, one of the top five safeties probably right now in football. And then, like you mentioned, again, the cheaper salary tag uh, price for, for the safety position, for whatever reason, it's just not very valued in the league, and uh, the money reflects that. You know, it poses the idea that maybe it does make sense to bring him back on that franchise tag. But, you know, with how salary cap strapped they are, and then I consider, you know, how many safeties they've drafted, which is four over the last two seasons. And then I look at the free agent market for safeties in particular, and it's one of the deepest positions available. It's like, you know, so that makes me think if they do lose John Johnson, I think they feel like, you know, we can go into the market and probably find a guy that, Maybe he's not going to be as good as John Johnson, but he might give you, you know, 60 or 70% of what John Johnson gives you and for a much cheaper price tag. And they might be comfortable doing something like that instead. So, you know, I think there's a chance that John Johnson could get the tag, but I probably would put it at, you know, 20, maybe 25%. Uh, I, I just don't think the Rams are going to have enough money to be able to allocate so much to just one player when, you know, they're coming up on maybe five or six, seven starters even uh, that are slated to hit the market here. Yeah, and it's tough with John Johnson because I feel like it's even though, um, e- even though the Rams have Jordan Fuller and Taylor Rapp and Terrell Burgess and good players at the safety position, and like even though history indicates with Les Snead as a GM that like they are unlikely to re-sign John Johnson because they never bring back safeties, 
it just feels like they both sides really want to stay together. Um, it seems like John Johnson wants to be here. It seems like the Rams want him here. It seems like they would exhaust all their options to make it happen at the best they can. But it just it's tough to like realistically see a path to it happening because, like we mentioned, we have all these guys in the building and. There's other needs that we need to focus on with limited cap space. I'm Johnny. I'm cur- like I think we've talked about this a little bit. I'm curious what you, you're thinking today. In terms of actually using the franchise tag, I think if there's anyone that they're going to use it with, it would be John Johnson. But I think it's pretty close to nil to happening, just because. Well, I think they would want it to happen. I I don't think it would necessarily be possible, just because of the cap situation. Uh, I as far as using it on uh, someone like Leonard Floyd, I seriously think that's not an option. But one interesting thought is maybe like a tag and trade type of situation. Uh, is that something feasible? Uh, so so that you that you think could happen? You know, it's possible. I just don't think it's likely because. You know, I mentioned the safety position being arguably the deepest uh, in free agency this this period here. I think edge might be even better. And it's like absurd. I, I counted it off my hands. Maybe I would feel great if I was a team that needed an edge rusher about maybe 10 to 12 like premium quality starting edge rushers that you could get from the free agent market this offseason. And so, you know, when you consider how deep that class is, how deep the safety class is, the only two guys that are worthy of you know being tagged and traded are John Johnson as well as Leonard Floyd. But why would a team be incentivized to you know pay these guys not only a lot of money on the franchise tag, but then also have to part with a pick? And you know when they could just go get another guy that maybe they like more in the free agent market, right? So in a normal year, you know I would consider the fact that maybe these would work, but at the same time, the Rams haven't really been you know, like intent on doing a, a tag and trade. I remember talking about it in the past few off seasons with Dante Fowler, uh, Corey Littleton, guys like that. And typically guys like that would be worth something, obviously very good starters and uh, had good years with the Rams and whatnot prior to hitting the market. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's a risky game, obviously. And, you know, if nobody trades for them, you're stuck with them on a big salary, maybe that you didn't want them at. And so that's obviously a risk factor that they have to, take into account especially right now with no money so i don't think it's likely i do think it's possible i just don't think it's a very good situation for them just on you know on the basis of how deep these positions are and the fact that they really can't afford for anything to go wrong in case a team doesn't really want to trade for those guys well guys i know we're all sad that football season is over but the sports season still not bad we got the nba heating up the nhl they're on the ice hitting hard and March Madness is just about upon us. There is plenty of sports content to keep us occupied. And I always tell people if they want to make these sports just a little more exciting, you got to head over to my bookie and get in on some action on these games, make them a little more interesting. I use my bookie for one simple reason. They're the best. Why wouldn't I use anyone but the best? And because they're the best, they're even going to hook you up with a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000 when you sign up. And they're going to keep the good times rolling with free giveaways, free bets, and huge contests all year long. It's simple. You sign up, you enter the promo code RAMSTALK, that's R-A-M-S-T-A-L-K, no spaces, and you're going to get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Four digits, guys. 1000 bucks. Head over to MyBookie today and start the year off on the right foot. This year, you're going to want to bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. And I think one, and Johnny, you brought this up when we were texting earlier, like because the edge position is so deep, as you mentioned this year, and teams have limited money, I wonder like when it comes to Leonard Floyd, um, we saw kind of an Aaron Donald effect with him and Dante Fowler previously, where it's in Leonard Floyd particularly, was a bit disappointing in Chicago as a first-round pick, but still it's still good enough to get $10 million from the Rams last year and kind of a prove-it deal. Granted, he did prove it, but you look at last year with Dante Fowler, who crushed it on the Rams uh, in 2019, goes to Atlanta on a big deal, and he graded out 102 out of 108 
on edge rushers on pro football focus, which is not what you're paying for. I wonder, like, do you think, like, factoring the lack of cap space, the depth of the position, and the um, that kind of factor that maybe Aaron Donald's just elevating these players, do you think that'll hurt Leonard Floyd's market value and maybe open up the door for him to return? I don't think on the franchise tag because we can't afford it, but maybe we get him for even less than what the franchise tag would cost. It's definitely a possibility. You know, I think more likely is Leonard Floyd hitting the market and arguably finding, you know, a deal similar to what Dante Fowler signed last offseason, which was $15 million per year, and then goes to his new team and ultimately disappoints because he's not going to get to play next to Aaron Donald no more, and he's not going to, you know, get a lot of these cleanup pressures, unblocked pressures, unblocked sacks, low-quality sacks off stunts, just things like that. Uh, based off scheme and whatnot. So I think more likely it ends up being that Leonard Floyd finds himself a pretty decent deal that the Rams simply can't match. And then the Rams end up going into the same route that they did with Fowler and Floyd and finding a guy for you know a short-term deal, maybe a guy who's trying to rehab his value or a guy who's a veteran that's going to be ring chasing. Uh, they have that allure obviously now with Matthew Stafford in town. And not only that, but this kind of ties into the earlier topic that we were talking about with the whole COVID salary cap situation. I'm expecting a lot more guys to settle for one year deals in this market, just because the salary cap is going to bounce back positively next season. We don't know to what degree, but we can assume that it's going to go, you know, high back up. And if that's the case, guys are going to want to hit the market again when the salary cap is rising, not in, you know, when it's at its worst, which is this off season. So I think a lot of guys are going to be willing to sign one-year deals, maybe um, you know, just try to reprove themselves, try to maybe get a ring, get into a position where they can be successful. And I think that you know, when you look at the Rams, what they've done with Fowler, what they've done with Floyd, what Fowler has done in Jacksonville and Atlanta, and what Floyd did in Chicago, it's pretty clear that they're going to put together a great plan for whoever is willing to sign at that edge spot. And then obviously, like I mentioned, the allure of potentially winning a Super Bowl. It's likely they're going to get to the playoffs, play some seriously, uh, you know, important games that a lot of guys would just love to play. And I think, you know, when you look at the edge market, there are at least a handful of names that I think fit the bill. And I think ultimately, it's most likely that Floyd probably walks in the Rams look to replace him with one of those guys that I, I got in the back of my mind. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it's, just, it's going to be too tough to bring him back and no the way they filled this position in the last couple of years i i don't think i don't know if it would be wise to bring him back unless you could do it for an affordable rate um it just seems like they can replace him with another leonard floyd-esque guy that will give you maybe it's not at as high a level as leonard floyd gave you this year but somewhat similar uh johnny i i'm wondering what you think here i think the chicago bears can use leonard floyd <laughs> not wrong <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I would like nothing more than to bring Leonard Floyd back, especially because he obviously fits the mold that the Rams were looking for on defense. But, you know, I I think that it's going to be basically another Dante Fowler effect with Floyd. I think once he, he uh, goes off to another team, unless he goes to another elite defense, which I guess is certainly possible, I don't know if he excels as well as he did in Los Angeles. That's not to say he can't do it, I, I just highly doubt it. So, as much as I would love to bring him back because of his familiarity with uh, the team, I, I know we're kind of getting a somewhat of a different defensive scheme, but the familiarity with the team is kind of intriguing. But if he's going to command you know, top dollar... I would, like I said, much rather just go after a guy that is another Leonard Floyd, Dante Fowler mold, which I'm sure there's going to be someone out there. And uh, I I don't know, maybe it could be just the Rams trying to buy time also, uh, you know, to maybe put up Terrell Lewis up there at some point. Obviously, it's still way too early for Terrell Lewis to be considered a huge option but if he stays healthy and he continues to progress it could be someone worth looking out for as well 
and maybe uh, Terrell Lewis could be the future um, guy, you know, the future Leonard Floyd, Dante Fowler type player. Yeah, in a perfect world, it is Terrell Lewis, but I, it's tough because we just, we just haven't seen him, enough of him to, to make that case yet, and he could, you know, be a second-year breakout, maybe a little like what we got from Daryl Henderson this year, or he could be uh, David Long and just not play much again, but I... I'm hoping it's more towards uh, a productive player. Um, so, so you mentioned like you had a couple of guys in mind that they could address here. Like if they do go the route of, you know, these guys leave, they have some cap space and they do choose to use it on edge rusher. Do you think they would go more likely go the Leonard Floyd route of somebody in that vein? That's high caliber prospect hasn't panned out as well as you'd hope, but there's still promise on a one year deal. Or do you think it's possible because of just the limitations they have, maybe they go more of the route like they did a couple years ago when they grabbed Clay Matthews on a fairly cheap deal? I I think it's probably somewhere in the middle in terms of this class is deep. Somebody is not going to get the market that they want. That's just the way the game works, especially with how little money teams have right now. Um, And I think the Rams are going to represent a good spot, like I mentioned earlier, for one of these guys to come and rehab their value, whether that be just for purposes of, you know, they weren't healthy last year or they didn't perform or put together the statistical season that they wanted last year, or if they just want to do the one year thing and try to hit the market again next year after getting a potentially good season next to Aaron Donald and when that salary cap rises. And so, you know, there's a couple names I'm looking at, obviously, for different reasons. Uh, they're going to have some connections with the Rams, but Jadavian Clowney is a big name, obviously. He signed a one-year deal last year with the Tennessee Titans, had a terrible season. He hardly played, did not do anything. And what's funny about that is that he was looking for a deal prior to that that was in the range of $20 million per year. Obviously, couldn't get that from the Seattle Seahawks. And I can't recall who else was vying for his services, but had to settle for like a one-year, $13, $14 million deal with Tennessee and puts together maybe the worst year of his career last season. So, you know, if you talk about a guy that was the number one overall pick, has talent for days, one of the best edge rushers in the league, one of the best run stuffers in the league. I mean, why would you not want to go to LA, right? You get to play next to Aaron Donald for a year. You get to rehab your value after a genuinely nightmarish season last year. Uh, And then you get to hit the market again next year and go look for that $20 million per year deal that you initially wanted. You're probably never going to get, but I mean, if there's anyone that could take their game to the next level playing next to Aaron Donald, it's a guy like Jadavian Clowney who should have double-digit sacks every single season. But uh, that's one name. Melvin Ingram is another one. I think he's probably the most likely. He obviously plays for the Chargers or played for the Chargers. Wouldn't even have to move anywhere. Same stadium, same city. Uh, older guy. Hasn't played all that much meaningful football in terms of his career. I'm sure he'd love to you know, stay in L.A. and get to play in the playoffs. Goes to the NFC from the AFC. And not only that, but again, he was another guy that did not have the season that he wanted last year. I think he played in probably four or five games. And over the course of the last 10 or 11, 12 years, however long he's been in the league, he's been one of the most underrated players in football. Like this guy is really, really talented, really consistent. And um, he's a prime candidate, in my opinion. He matches all the boxes in terms of he's older. He's going to probably want to go play some meaningful football, ring chase. Two, I mean, it's an LA thing. He doesn't even have to move. Three, you were going to want that rehab value in terms of the last season that he had, which was terrible. And four, play on the Aaron Donald effect for one year, hit the market again next year when the salary cap rises, and you know probably put together a dominant season because he's a really good player. And playing next to Aaron Donald is only going to help. But you know, there's a couple other names that I'm looking at as well. Guys like Tyus Bowser, who is just finishing his rookie deal after four years with the Baltimore Ravens. Very athletic guy. He just had one of his better seasons in his career this past year and the Ravens are likely going to let him walk but um, you know they do have three or four edge rushers hitting the market this season so it's gonna be hard to see who they come uh, you know after and want to try to bring back but another name that we've I feel like we've talked about for three off seasons now literally since Sean McVay was hired from Washington Ryan Kerrigan another veteran another guy that I'm sure he wants to play meaningful football at this point in his career he has not pretty much gotten anything out of his time in Washington. One of the more underrated players of football, like Ingram, technician, uh, and he barely played this past season. He was like the fourth or fifth edge rusher on the team. And that's not really a lack of skill or you know him slowing down all that much. It's just the fact that the Washington football team had 
an absurdly talented defensive line. So there was really no spot for him, but he does have the McVay connection. He does have some other guys on the staff that were with Sean in Washington. I think maybe they even overlapped with the Raheem Morris potentially. So um, that's a guy that I'm also looking out for, but I think there's a lot of names that the Rams could ultimately target in this free agency period. Yeah. I, I would love, especially like Melvin Ingram would, I would be stoked for him uh, to come to the Rams. And I think like, now, Clowney is a guy that there definitely could be no market for, given the, the tight cap spaces, and I, I, he's definitely a guy that like would be an obvious candidate for a prove-it deal. No, as, as Marvin Jones said recently, he wants to go to a place where he could get paid and win a ring, mm-hmm. um, which I think is true for, I would say, 98% of NFL players uh, agree with that statement. But some some guys are going to have to choose, you know, do I want to play take a little more money and go play in um i don't know jacksonville or do i want to take you know less money on a one-year deal that could potentially you know you bet on yourself and you could get more money in the future in los angeles with the rams and potentially have a chance to win a ring now in Clowney's case uh he bet on himself last year and it didn't pay off so i wonder with him if he'd just be looking for the biggest bag he could get but um if there's no bags out there i i would love to to give him a shot yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm sure that, I mean, he doesn't strike me as a guy that, not necessarily that he's not loyal, but, you know, I'm sure if someone ponied up and gave him $18 million per year this offseason, this offseason, he'd take it and sign that and run. The issue is, is I cannot see that coming in any way, shape, or form. Matter of fact, I don't even think he's going to be able to reach the same deal that he just had with the Tennessee Titans. I'm not sure exactly what it was. I think it was one year. 14 million or 13 million just right around there 12 between 12 and 14 million i don't even think he's gonna be able to get that to be quite honest with you after the season he had and now with the lack of money um i think he's a prime candidate for a guy that's gonna have to settle somewhere for a one-year deal try to actually play you know 15 16 17 games i guess now with the new schedule uh and put together something that teams are going to be wanting to buy into because I, i just can't see anybody being interested in really paying him a lot of money after the last season that he just had yeah Kerrigan and um Ingram specifically because with them you know unlike Clowney who hasn't really gotten a huge payday yet last year was was one of the bigger ones those dudes got their second contracts they made a lot of money and played a lot of meaningless football and I could see them you know in a year where there's unlikely to be tons of long-term money out there for vets like them Maybe they go take a one-year deal for, for less money with the Rams uh, and figure it out next year. You know, we saw Ndamukong Sue do it. Now, granted, he got a pretty hefty salary for the one year he was with the Rams, but um, he he certainly could have gotten more money elsewhere, and he, he chose to come, come play next to Aaron Donald and almost won a Super Bowl, got it this year. But, um, you know, I think that was a move that, even though he was slightly disappointing with the Rams, uh, during the regular season, at least when the playoffs came, he crushed it, and nobody cared about the regular season. Uh, he he still got a nice contract from Tampa Bay. Yeah, and that's the, that's the fact, right? Is that you know it, everyone's going to value different things. Some guys want stability. Some guys want uh, as much money as they can get, which is absolutely no fault whatsoever. And some guys want to leave that legacy of you know some wins and get those rings and things of that nature. And like you mentioned, and Dominican Sue talk less money to come to uh, LA at the time and try to go win that ring. But at the same time, you know, sometimes that fails and you go to a team and you take less money and you think you're going to go get a shot to win a ring and a disastrous season happens. And then you took less money for no reason at all. And you didn't even get, you know, into the playoffs or what have you. But I think the Rams are in a really good spot. I really do. I look at that edge rusher position Melvin Ingram strikes me as a guy that is probably a prime candidate. You know, I think Ryan Kerrigan, same thing. Um, And then there's like so many good young edge rushers that are going to hit the market and all kinds of different body types, different skill sets. you got guys that are power rushers, guys that are speed rushers, guys that are more athletic and bendy, guys that are more technician types. There's so many good edge rushers that I don't think there's really going to be a lack of choices. And that's not just for the Rams either. That's for everyone. For any team that's looking for a pass rusher to upgrade their unit, you know, they're going to be picking somebody and that's going to leave somebody else for whoever else needs them. And my opinion, you know, when you have 10, 12, 13, 14 guys that are all quality starters in the league, you got a pretty good shot to come away with one of them because not everyone can get paid at the end of the day. And ultimately, 
you know, if the Rams do let Leonard Floyd walk, they're going to need to bring somebody into the building, whether that be the draft or free agency. And I just don't know why you would draft another guy that's young and unproven. You already got a lot of those guys. So it just makes a lot of logical sense to me that, you know, they pony up a little bit of money. If at any position at the edge spot, you go get a veteran guy, just plug him in next to Aaron Donald, next to Aaron Donald, you know what you're going to get eight to 10 sacks or more and uh, just, just ride it out. Yeah, and I, I think it makes more sense to address Ed Rusher in free agency, like I said, there is young guys in the building, than it would to address um, in the draft when there's a couple other positions in need, you know, inside linebacker, uh, offensive line that could make more sense to address in the draft. Although, as we know, the Rams never want to draft inside linebackers. Uh, Johnny, I'm curious, was was there any names that uh, Sosa said that got you excited over there, or is there a name that you had in mind that wasn't mentioned? For the love of God, draft uh, or get some uh, inside linebackers, but <laughs> man can dream. <laughs> Seriously, uh, there's there's quite a few names, you know. There, the <laughs> I I think to have any one of them would would be amazing. I I like the potential of um, of getting maybe a Jadavian Clowney type of guy. Uh, one guy I didn't hear. And I'm wondering if that's because there's absolutely zero possibility or if you just don't think it's a good matchup. Is a guy like uh, J.J. Watt, uh, what are your thoughts on him potentially coming to L.A.? I, I know it's kind of like a flashy name, not necessarily um, something that might happen due to cap restrictions, but do you think he takes uh, you know, somewhat of a pay cut, maybe like a... McDomican Sue type of salary to come and play next to Aaron Donald and maybe get a, a ring out of this? You know, I think it's possible. I definitely wouldn't rule it out. I would love to have J.J. Uh, Watt in the building. Still a very, very good player. Uh, just needs to stay healthy, obviously. But, you know, I just think about the logical connections there. And you hear from the media certain teams that are already catching his interest teams like the Cleveland Browns for whatever reason I'm not really sure why um well I mean they're get, they're pretty good now but Money. I don't know why you would want to go pl- yeah that too I don't know why you'd want to go face uh, you know Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs or, or Deshaun Watson if he's still in the AFC but um anyways more power to him if he wants to go to Cleveland and then you know I look at different things like is he going to want to go to LA where he's completely foreign or is he going to want to go to Green Bay, Wisconsin, stick to his roots, go back to where he played in college, go to where he's from, and, you know, they're seemingly interested as well, or go to Pittsburgh and play with your two brothers, and, you know, they're seemingly interested as well. Now, I don't know that they're going to have the cap to do it, but I just think there's so many more teams that are probably going to be higher in his pecking order, and that kind of just makes it not necessarily unrealistic, but uh, just, you know, it's not very likely, I guess, the fact that he would pick the Rams, but... I think the Rams should be interested. I think he should be interested in playing next to Aaron Donald. You're talking about two out of the three players in NFL history to ever win. the. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Defensive Player of the Year award three times. So you can pretty much imagine just how dominant that duo would be next to each other on that D-line. But, um, you know, I just think about the logical connections. I think it's very likely that he ends up elsewhere. But uh, you never know. You never know. I would be very happy to get J.J. Watt on that same D-line as Aaron Donald for sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, with you on. I think if he's going to take a pay cut and 
go to a contender i think he goes to green bay like for sure i'd be i'd be pretty surprised if he chose us over them but obviously the aaron donald factor is a big part of it um but according to him he might want to go play with the defensive player of the year in pittsburgh and and his brother tj but (laughs) beside the point sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Um, so we talked about free agent targets, and I wanted to touch on this because this is kind of like – this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately is we talk about needs that the Rams have right now, and a lot of people, rightfully so, have been throwing out um, you know, a deep threat at wide receiver. Uh, the rant, It was clearly something that was void of the team last year. It used to be Brandon Cooks and, to a lesser extent, Sammy Watkins a little bit. But now you could say Jared Goff was part of the reason why there was no deep threats to last year. Maybe you like guys in the building like Van Jefferson as more of deep threats than they might seem on paper. But it seems like a prevailing theory that the Rams want to address this position. And a guy that's been thrown out a lot is Marvin Jones. And, you know, we we touched on all this stuff about the lack of cap space and things that they need, like edge rusher and inside linebacker and stuff like that. And guys are going to lose. And we're sitting here talking about how they need a wide receiver when you look at the, the room and you're paying $28 million total this year to Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And you just spent a second round pick on, on Van Jefferson last year. And, Johnny, I can start with you here. Like, to me, it, it it's a bit frustrating that you've invested so much into this wide receiver room. You're usually only putting three of them on the field at the same time. You have three guys that you invested either significant money or significant draft capital. And yet we're sitting here with a, not like a take that's obvious that they need help at this position. It just, that feels like a little frustrating. I mean, with all these stuff we said, you know, even if you could get Marvin Jones for like $7 million, Maybe that's something you should for sure consider. But for all these needs, we're we're ta- we're gonna sit here and like we need another re- we need help a receiver when with what we've invested, it doesn't seem like we should. Like Johnny, I'm wondering what your take on that is. I would love to get a deep threat. Um, personally, I feel like that's something that they should have invested in last year in the NFL draft. Cough Denzel Mims, um, <laughs> but. You know, not to say Van Jefferson is a, isn't a good player. He's a very good player, and and I think he could have a, a nice career ahead of him. It's just not what the Rams needed, and now we have to look at potentially adding another deep threat wide receiver. It's not a huge necessity, as you mentioned, but I would love an opportunity to have a deep threat like a Marvin Jones-like player who, by the way, he was actually from my hometown, so that's awesome. Um, shout out, Fontana, California, native. Um, there you go. Yeah. Uh, not that I actually knew him, but <laughs> hey, if you want to give me a few million dollars, I'm, I would not I would not pass that up. But um, yeah, Marvin Jones, I think, would be a match made in heaven here, especially since he's so familiar with with playing with Stafford, I think that'd be great. But the, the problem is, again, salary cap. And I highly doubt he's going to take a huge pay cut because I imagine that he's going to get paid at least, you know, as Steve said, about the $6, 7000000 million range, which it doesn't sound like a lot. But for the Rams, any bit of money sounds like a lot of money. So... I don't know if it's absolutely necessary to go after a deep threat in free agency. I think that could be something that could be addressed in the NFL draft, maybe not on a higher round pick, but maybe a lower round pick. And maybe that could be someone to develop. But uh, I don't know. I think in a perfect universe, yes, you go after Marvin Jones, but I just don't think they have the cap space. Um, I think this is where... Uh, your your expertise might come in. So, so, what do you think? You think that's feasible to bring in a deep threat wide receiver here? 
I actually do. And I do think it's a bigger need than most people probably do. Um, because I look at the change at quarterback and it really just tells me everything that I need to know about what this team wants and, and what, tr- uh, what direction they want to trend. And, you know, Jared Goff was obviously the quarterback before, and not only was he just like not really willing to push the ball deep. He, I mean, he didn't even look that deep when he got replaced by John Wolford, John Wolford comes in in that week 17 game against the Cardinals and he's immediately pushing the ball downfield. And that to me speaks to more about Jared Goff's, let's say timidness to, to push that ball deep as opposed to Sean McVay's scheme, not wanting to push the ball deep. I mean, who doesn't want to be a source of big plays? Everyone wants big plays. And Sean McVay mentioned that after uh, the season in a press conference, he says, you know, we got to find a way to create more big plays because it's hard to consistently have 12, 13, 15 play drives to try and score on because as soon as you make one mistake, you're behind the chains. The drive is essentially over. And um, it's very hard to maintain that level of, you know, no penalties and things like that. So they go get Stafford. That tells me that they want to push the ball deep. They want to make more big plays. They want to create more big plays in the passing game. And that is a sore spot on the roster. And then when you look at, you know, they're interviewing receivers like Dwayne Eskridge a few days ago over Zoom um, with his pre-draft visit or whatever you want to call it. That's a guy who wins deep. He's a vertical threat. And um, again, it's just kind of tying, you know, the situation here together is that it's making me think that they definitely want to get a deep threat. And when I look at the free agent market, yeah, Marvin Jones would be, I mean, he'd be amazing. He has chemistry with Stafford. Uh, he's much more than just a deep threat. He's a very complete, good receiver. But um, I just think he's going to be too expensive, and I don't think he's going to be willing to take what the Rams offer because they just can't afford to pay him that much. He's going to be a wide receiver three slash four. He can't be paying a guy eight, nine, ten million dollars to play fifty percent of the snaps, if that. So you know, there's some other names that I'm looking at. John Ross, a guy, another one from California, former top ten pick, can punt return, can probably kick return has the fastest 40 of all time at the combine. So you can pretty much believe that he's a deep threat. Uh, And he's a guy that really didn't get to do anything in Cincinnati, but he's a guy that has probably a lot of untapped potential. In my opinion, a guy I really loved coming out of college, coming out of Washington. um, And he'd fit that role. And I don't think he'd be very expensive, but there's a few other names like Deshaun Jackson that was just recently released. Another California guy, uh, arguably one of the best deep threats in NFL history. Now he does have some, injury issues and he hasn't been able to stay healthy for many years which is obviously a problem but when he's your wide receiver four and you don't really have to rely on him you know it kind of lessens the idea and the risk I guess when you don't have to rely on him for 16 games and 100% of snaps every week Uh, Marvin Hall another guy that played with Matt Stafford in Detroit I think he's gonna be very very cheap I can't recall now but I think over his career he's averaging like 30 yards a catch the dude is just run straight. That's really all he does. He runs straight and runs post routes. And he was a big uh, proponent of a lot of those big plays that Stafford had over the last, you know, year or two, where if he was throwing the ball deep, there's a pretty good chance that Marvin Hall was on the receiving end of that. So um, another name that I like Marvin Hall, if the Rams really want to go cheap. And, uh, you know, I think there's some good options out there. If the Rams want to go in terms of uh, the free agent market and fill that wide receiver three or four role with a veteran, There's definitely a lot of names that they could target or if they want to go in the draft. And, you know, I think we all are probably expecting them to trade back at some point, maybe with that very first pick, probably acquire a little bit more ammo. Then, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see them go with a receiver, maybe as high as round three. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm totally with you that they need a deep threat. It's just, it, it just like, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth that we're saying they, they should take a deep threat in the third round or look at these guys they could sign when, you know, the the capital you've invested, this shouldn't be a need. But because they – and I guess it's part because they were building the team around Jared Goff, you have three receivers who um, – two of them are very good, and one of them I think will be good in Van Jefferson. But they all kind of do similar stuff. And it's – you can't, like – I don't know. Like, I would love to bring – like, John Ross sounds great. Um, I think he'd be a really interesting candidate. And then obviously, like, I think Deshaun Jackson's probably the most – realistic candidate or maybe Marvin Hall too I, I never made that connection um because those guys would I feel like they'd pretty much be minimum uh and like like you mentioned Deshaun Jackson where he's probably going to be in terms of snaps the fourth receiver so uh you you could hopefully manage him but it just it, it, it bother it, it bothers me a little not too much that 
you have all this invested in this position and like we're not there yet uh you know what i mean yeah and that was an issue for me as well last season um you know johnny mentioned it denzel mims that was the guy i wanted to uh I, I, you know, we didn't know who was going to be available pre-draft, but guys that I was looking at were like Jalen Rager, who obviously went in the first round eventually, but um, Jalen Rager, Denzel Mims, guys that were going to be able to get vertical, and the Rams went with Van Jefferson instead, and Van Jefferson is pretty much a clone of, of what Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are, and to me, that might tell me a little bit of a story in terms of one or two things. One, they, I mean, they just had to re-sign Cooper Cup, and they just also extended uh, Robert Woods, you know, so... I think they might have been drafting Van Jefferson as a potential, um, what do you want to call it? Like, uh, not necessarily a replacement, but... A hedge, right? Yeah, yeah. Just in case they couldn't re-sign Cooper Cup or whether the, the price was too drastic or, you know, whether Robert Woods was going to leave. I, I think they kind of wanted a second player that was very similar to those guys in terms of the route running ability, the intermediate, winning in the intermediate part of the field, the good hands, the, you know, five to 10 yard kind of a guy. But now I also think, you know, when I look at the salary cap, and I think a lot of people don't really look at it like this. I, I look at it differently. When you look at the way a salary cap, a deal is structured, it, it tells you a story. It really does. Like the way Carson Wentz was paid and the way Jared Goff was paid this past offseason or not past offseason, two years ago, they were structured very differently. The Rams ate a, a decent amount of a hit this season to get rid of Goff. I think it was like $21 million. And the Eagles are going to be paying like $33 million for once. And the way a salary is structured, the way a contract is structured tells you a story. And the way, um, you know, I look at these contracts right now, I look at the Robert Woods deal and tremendous player. I don't think he's going to be going anywhere just yet. But, you know, you look at the ability for the Rams to cut him in 2022. So just one year from now, there's only going to be $600,000 in dead money. And they're going to free up $13.1 million. And then the year after, $13.5 million freed and only $400,000 dead. After that, only $200,000 dead. So the majority of his dead money is coming in this season, $14.5 million. Obviously, he just signed the extension a few months ago. But after that, like they have minimized all of the risk. And it makes sense because he's going to be hitting that age 30 mark. And I think they're starting to kind of plan for life after Robert Woods. And I think that Van Jefferson selection might've had something to do with that. And if that is the case, uh, you know, I could definitely see them, like I said earlier, taking a receiver in, you know, the third round, as high as the third round, because you have Van Jefferson slide into that role. Cooper Cup presumably will be back as well. And then you have that third receiver who you draft now, which kind of seems like a reach or unnecessary slide into a starting role, maybe next year or in two years. And, you know, in the meanwhile, could very well still fill a role for the team in terms of a kicker turner, punt returner, something like that. So um, I'm with you guys. You know, I was confused as to why it was Van Jefferson. I had a handful of guys at least above him. I can't recall exactly who, but um, you know, I, I think that it may have been kind of insurance as opposed to we want another guy just like these guys. Yeah, and I, you know, you brought up when we were talking about restructuring Robert Woods earlier. I, I don't think they do it because of all the reasons you just laid out. You know, he's he's a great player, really reliable guy. I mean, Johnny and I are both big fans. We talk about him all the time. I was very wrong on him. I did not like the signing at the time. But, you know, it's it's just a numbers game with a lot of guys. Like, we're talking about with John Johnson if he's going to leave. Like, if, if they don't restructure Robert Woods and draft a guy – in the third round at receiver, even if it's to be a deep throw that does different things than Robert Woods, it does feel like the writing would be on the wall there, uh, which is sad to see because I, I'd be sad to see him go. But um, receiver is very, very deep position in the NFL right now. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, they're two very good players, but I don't think either are in the true upper echelons of elite guys, you know, that you can just throw a ball up and they'll go grab it for you. Um, and when you're paying two guys like that at the sums of money you're paying them at, you know, you get into situations like we're talking about right now where they have a need they need to add and it's not on the roster currently. Yeah. And you mentioned it. There's just so many good receivers, right? You got to cut the cost somewhere. That's just the, the way the salary cap works. And we're not even talking about first round guys, right? Of course, there's going to be some really good receivers coming out of the first round every year. CD Lambs, the Jerry Judys, the Justin Jeffersons, all those guys, of course. But when you look at, you know, the second round, the third round, just over the last few years, you got guys like DK Metcalf, who might be a top five receiver in football. You got AJ Brown, might be a top five receiver in football. Terry McLaurin, 
top 12 receiver football maybe like so many guys are coming out of the draft all different kinds of body types they win in different ways you got guys that are winning short guys that are playing in the slot guys that win vertical guys that play outside the numbers guys that are contested catch guys like there is no shortage for what kind of body type you want what kind of win uh you know what kind of suggested you know the way they win i guess in terms of how whoever you want they're out there like there are so many good receivers you do not even have to pick them in the first round at some point we might be even looking at the receiver position like we do the running back spot in terms of you don't need to take one in the first round because you can get a guy in the second and the third and the fifth and they can come in and contribute and to me it's like you know i love robert woods as well i love cooper cup i love van jefferson i think they all do very good things for the for the team and on the field but at the end of the day, it's like you're definitely missing a speed element and a vertical element to your offense first. And second, if you can go get a cost-controlled rookie for four, five years, whatever it may be, depending on where you draft them, you got a good shot to come away with a really good wide receiver. That's just the way the game goes at this point. There's going to be three receivers on the field for any given team at any given time. That just means there's, there's going to be more receivers to choose from. There's going to be you know more guys that are developed and more development in terms of that position as opposed to a running back position where you get one guy on the field at a time so um, just looking at it from a numbers perspective it makes a lot of sense that you know they could very well be drafting a receiver right now for the future in terms of a guy that could be starting as, as soon as next year yeah and like for like blue chip like prospects coming up like getting into high school football like if you're picking the position you want to focus on and you could choose between running back and wide receiver. Now that happens as often, but like with smaller guys, I'm sure it does. Who the hell is picking running back right now? Like if they if they're a guy that thinks they're going to the NFL, you see all these receivers. There's so many like we talked about, and they're all still getting paid. Uh, you know, the Rams have paid three receivers in the last two three years, big time money. Uh, and running backs are not really getting paid. Uh, I think it's going to continue to be a trend where there's just so much talent at the position. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I mean, it's just deep. It's just a really deep position. Uh, a lot of the best names aren't even first-round picks. You, you got so many guys that, I mean, the best receiver in football right now, Stephon Diggs. He's he's like a fifth-round pick, and um, you know, there's just so many guys. I don't know, not necessarily that you shouldn't pay them or that you shouldn't go get them early, but uh, when you just look at all the names that you can get from all these various schools and in various roles it just makes a lot of sense to me that receivers definitely a spot where you can sort of penny pinch and come away with a productive player especially when you have matt stafford throwing them the football he's going to give a lot of guys chances where jared goff was just more safe with the ball and you know they might not have statistically as good seasons with a guy like that but matt stafford is going to make a lot out of a little and you've seen it from guys like marvin hall who you know the the lines eventually cut i think halfway through the last season and he went to Cleveland, and I don't really think he did anything there, but he made that guy a big play threat, and there's no play that's more valuable than a big play, so uh, when you can take a guy that's not even drafted and turn him into a valuable player, that's really all you need to know about that, you know, the quarterback in that position. Yep. Yeah, we are uh, certainly excited to have upgraded that quarterback position. Uh, Hopefully, it'll be a much less stressful year of podcasting talking about the quarterback position the coming year uh so it's late i don't want to keep you all night i loved having you on this was great why don't you let the people know where they could find you yeah um you guys can find me i guess on twitter at qb's mvp that's qbs mvp uh i'm 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 having fun on there i have fun on there i try not to take it too seriously uh but still try to sprinkle in some seriousness of of, of football and you can find my writing at pff.com um and you can find the the podcast at, at the locked on podcast network and specifically at locked on rams and that's pretty much where i'm at these days so this is churning out daily rams podcasts man i don't know how you do it but uh you're crushing it so if you guys need your daily fix definitely hit, head on hit him up over there on the lockdown podcast uh this is great man thank you for coming on absolutely i appreciate you guys for having me and uh we'll have to do it again sometime absolutely definitely definitely uh all right and we've been going for almost an hour so we could wrap the show johnny unless you got any parting thoughts here uh no not really i i think uh i think we kind of uh talked a lot this time around but uh (sighs) talking to sosa makes me want the season to start again so uh hey you know what 
um, I do look forward to the offseason. I do look forward to free agency. Even if it's not the Rams, it's just so interesting. And, uh, you know, free agency is going to be starting pretty soon. Franchise tag is here. NFL draft's coming. Uh, you know, I'm still, I'm still kind of happy. Yeah, man. It's, uh, this is, this is definitely a fun time, uh, in, in sports is right before pre-agency and then free agency. Uh, I'm looking forward to it and we'll be back talking about it next week. Uh, don't forget, follow us on Twitter at C Rivero at Johnny five, not six and at talk Rams and keep an eye for, uh, Derek actually released a pod yesterday for Rams talk radio. So you can listen to that. Uh, be sure to do it and be sure to check out social stuff as well. And we will be back next week. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that we gonna see him soon. You feel me? Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.